Awesome. Well, listen, I'm, I'm really pumped up for this word that I get to bring you today. The title of my message is Joshua. Can everybody say Joshua? Joshua. One of the things that the Lord has placed on my heart going into this new year is I really feel the pull and the draw to study scripture this year, to really dive into the word of God. And so what we've been doing for the last few Wednesday services is we've been reading through the book of Ephesians. Has anybody enjoyed our our Ephesians uh, Bible study that we're having? It's really awesome. So if you're interested in joining us, um, I don't know what this guy, I don't know if I'm preaching this Wednesday or not, but we're going to, the next, uh, the next Wednesday is Ephesians chapter three. We're going to get into it. But what I want to do today is I want to take a deep dive into the person of Joshua. Raise your hand if you know who Joshua is in the Bible. He's got a whole book dedicated to himself. It's all about Joshua, right? And so we're going to dive into a little bit of this individual named Joshua. And here's the idea. This is what I, this is what I believe the Lord is going to speak to us today. The idea is this. Be a leader that you can rely on. Can we say that together? Go ahead, put that on the screen, Sharon, if you wouldn't mind. Let's say that together. Be a leader that you can rely on. Here's the reality. Not everybody in this room is going to be a leader in the same capacity. Some of us are called to lead dozens of people. Some of us are called to lead hundreds of people. Some of us are called to lead a few people. But here's the truth. No matter what your calling or your assignment is, everybody in this room is called to lead themselves. You're called to be a good leader over yourselves. Here's what I want to break today. You ready? I want to break every ounce and every excuse that we make when we say, oh, that person didn't lead me well, or that pastor hurt me, or that individual did this, or that individual did that. Listen, we are not at the mercy of people. You are called to lead yourself well, and we can't get upset when other people don't lead us well when we're not leading ourselves well. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to look at the person of Joshua and learn and understand how to create in our own lives a leader that we can be proud of and we can rely on. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. Let's pray before we get into it. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come into this room right now. Bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place according to your word in Ephesians 1.17. Let our eyes be open to who you are, Jesus. And as we leave this place today, let us leave differently. Let us leave not hearing a good message or hearing good music, but let us leave having seen a glimpse of who you are, Jesus. We love you, we bless you, and we honor you. In your name I pray. Everyone said... Amen, amen. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of Joshua, I have to start out um, explaining something a little bit to, to us. As we read the Bible, does anybody have their Bible with them? Come on, wa- wave your Bible at me if you've got it. Just wave it at me. Okay, I see a couple cell phones in there. That's okay. We'll pray for you. Don't worry. If you need a, if you need a paper Bible, we'll get you one. Um, but, but here's what I want us to understand about the Bible. When you open it up and you begin to read, it doesn't matter where you read. It can be anywhere between Genesis and Revelations. Guess what? That part of the Bible that you're reading is not about you. The Bible is not about you and I. Do you know what the Word of God is about? The Word of God is about one man, and his name is Jesus. And everywhere we look in the Word of God, what we have to come to grips with is before we look for ourselves, we have to look for Jesus. 
before we dive into Joshua and we say, man, what can I learn from Joshua? Before we do that, we have to say, where is Jesus in this story? Because the Bible is not just a self-help book for you and me. The Bible is is an explanation and revelation of the person named Jesus. Like when we read the story of Noah and Noah's ark, as Noah's, you know, traveling the seas, God floods the earth. Remember this story, right? That story is not about how God will rescue you from your problems. Do you know what that story primarily is about? That story is about that there was a man named Jesus and he is the only way to salvation. There's no other way. And just like Noah and his family were in the boat, if you and I are in Christ, we don't have to be afraid of what's going on around us. That's what that story is about. It's not about God saving me from my problems. It's about the revelation of me being in Christ. When we look at the story of Moses and as he parts the seas, Right? That's not a story of how God's going to part all of your problems and you're going to be carefree and walk through without any cares in the world. No, no, no. That story is about this reality, that our back was against the wall and there was no way out. There was no future. There was no hope. We were doomed. And Jesus came and made a way when there was no way. That's what that story is about. The story of David and Goliath is not about how you and I are going to conquer our giants. That story is about this reality, that we were up against an enemy that we could not defeat. And you are not David. I am not David. Jesus Christ is David who came in to defeat the enemy that you and I could not fight in sin. Amen. So when we look through the word of God, we have to read it this way. We have to say, where is Jesus? And when we look at the story of Joshua, we have to understand that Jesus and Joshua come from the same Hebrew word. When you look at the name Joshua in the Hebrew, what we see is Yehoshua. Go ahead, put that next one up. And and this next name, I I want you to Think of this. You've probably heard it before. It's Yeshua. Has anybody heard Yeshua before? That's Jesus' name in the Hebrew. Actually, in fact, they're the same word. It's just a shortened version of Joshua. And so when we see that Jesus is, uh, Joshua is a representation of who Jesus is, what we understand and what we know about Jesus is this, that Moses received the law in the desert. Remember that? Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. He receives the law, but the Bible says something very important that we need to see. Moses was unable to deliver the children of Israel into their promised land. Moses was unable to bring the children of Israel into their promise. And it wasn't until Joshua came on the scene where Joshua, Yeshua, was able to do what the law couldn't do. And this is where Jesus is found in the story, that it doesn't matter how righteous you and I think we are, how good or how able we are to follow the law, we are unable, the law was unable to do for us that which Jesus did for us. And in the same way, just being a good person isn't going to save you, you and I need to be found in Christ because Jesus is the only one that can bring you into the promised land. That Joshua is a representation of what Christ did for the bride, that he brought us in to the family of God. Come on, is anybody grateful for what Jesus did in their life? When the law couldn't do it, your good deeds couldn't do it, your prayers, your, your church attendance couldn't do it, it is by grace through faith that we are in the family of God. And so that's what we found. So before we look at anything about what we can learn from Joshua, we have to find 
Jesus. Here's the truth, church. The word is all about him. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. So this is what I want to do over the next few moments. I want to look at a few areas of the life of Joshua that after now that we've identified where Jesus was, we can then go in a little bit deeper and find out how we can lead ourselves well. But if you join me in the Bible in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, we, we find this, this one of the first encounters that we see that stand out um, with Joshua. But the Bible says this in verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. How cool is that? Man, come on, does anybody want a relationship with God like that? Like, oh, man, I just want to speak to you face to face, Lord. And he would return to the camp. So Moses would go into the tabernacle. He would talk with God. He would receive instruction. And then he would leave and go back into the camp to implement what he heard from the Lord. But then it says this, but his servant, Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. The Bible says this, that Joshua didn't leave. That when Moses left, he stayed. And this is so interesting, and this is what I want us to understand about Joshua in this time period, because Joshua knew that he was next in line. Joshua knew that when Moses was gone, he was going to be next in line. He was bearing already in this stage as a young man, he was bearing the weight and the responsibility of his calling and of his destiny. And what I think is interesting is Joshua didn't go to attend leadership school to prepare for his calling. Joshua didn't go to Barnes and Noble and buy the number one self-help book to prepare for his calling. What did Joshua do in preparation for what the Lord had called him to do? He spent time in the presence of the Lord. He found Jesus and he said, listen, if I can just sit at the feet of Jesus, I can be ready for whatever God throws at me. I don't need to go and do this or go and do that. I need to find Jesus and I need to hold on tight. I can't leave his presence. This is what I want us to understand, especially the young people in this room. Learn, learn this, that the best investment you can make for the future is time in his presence. The best investment that you can make for your future, it's not going to school, it's not reading this, it's not friendship that. Listen, those are all great things that you can do, but if you are not spending time with Jesus, you won't make it. You will fail. You have to be in the presence of the Lord. And so often, because I, I feel this a lot in my life, I feel like I could be doing better things with my time. Does anybody feel that way? Come on, be honest. When you're spending time with Jesus, you're like, man, I, I feel like I could be doing something better. I feel like I could be studying or going to class or, or, or you know, I, I feel like I'm just wasting my time. Let me tell you something. Any second, any moment, any hour spent with Jesus is never time wasted. Jesus actually set, confirms this when Mary and Martha were having their little fight. Remember? When Martha said, hey, Jesus, tell Mary to get up and help me out. I'm busy. I'm doing things. And Jesus says, no, no, no. She has chosen the right one. You've chosen the incorrect thing, Martha. She's chosen the right thing. Anytime you choose Jesus, it's the right thing. It's the right thing. And so just as Joshua prepared for his calling, for what the Lord had on his life, you and I have to be in preparation for what the Lord has for us. And that preparation looks like time with him. It looks like time with Jesus. And so the first thing that we learn about Joshua is that we have to spend time with the Lord. 
Here's the next thing I want you to see in Joshua chapter 7. It's found, we're going to read verses 3 through 5. The Bible says this, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Let me actually give you a little bit of context here. So this is what happened in this verse, is that Joshua has victory over the city of Jericho. Remember that story where they march around Jericho and the walls fall down and they, you know, the Lord delivers this great victory into their hands. Well, right after this, what happens is Joshua moves on from Jericho because he's won that fight, he's defeated them, and he goes on to defeat the next enemies, which is this city called Ai. It's not Allen Iverson, it's it another city called Ai, okay? And, and, so, and so Joshua sends out spies to spy out the land, and this is what they say when they come back. Does anybody know what they, this is what they say, okay? It's dangerous when you listen to what they say. Can I just tell you? You don't want to listen to what they say. You want to listen to what the Lord says. But this is what Joshua did. It says, and they, come on, the unnamed entity that rules our lives, they returned to Joshua and said to him, did not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people. Watch this. But they fled before the men of Ai. They were defeated. It says this in verse 5, And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as uh, Shebarim, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Do you see what happens when you listen to they? Watch this, just in, in, uh, in, in Joshua chapter 9, we see, we see something else I want to look at. What happens is the Gibeonites were another enemy of the children of Israel, and what they did is they played a little trick on Joshua. They dressed up as if they were from a faraway country. They put on these rags, they carried moldy bread with them and, and, and broken wineskins, and they came to Joshua and they said, Joshua, listen, listen, we're from a very faraway land. They were lying, they were from right next door. They were, in fact, one of the enemies that the Lord was trying to get rid of. But they said, Joshua, we're from a very far away land. Make a covenant with us. Let us be your friends. We're not going to do you any harm. It says this in verse 14, that then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. They didn't seek God. They listened to what they said. They took the word of men, the word of women, over the word of the Lord. And says, then it says, so Joshua made peace with the enemy and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. They were tricked. And, and this, is what I, this is what I want us to understand about both of these scenarios, the defeat at Ai and, and the covenant that they made with the Gibeonites. This is what we need to understand. Both of these occurrences happened on the heels of victory. Listen to this. Catch this. This is so important. Both of these things happened at the heels of victory, which means this, after God gave them victory over Jericho, what happened is Joshua started feeling himself a little bit. He started feeling pretty good about himself. I'm a pretty good leader. I can do this. I've just defeated one of the, one of the most powerful cities in all of this region. I took down Jericho. I can go deal with AI. He got whooped. Why? Because the victory didn't come from his impressive leadership. The victory came from Jesus. Yeah. 
from the presence of God. And even in this next time, once Joshua had another go at AI, he actually does it the right way. He receives victory from AI. He's feeling a little bit confident in himself again. And the Bible tells us that he did not seek counsel from the Lord. This is the reality that we have to face, church, is that sometimes when we are getting a little victory in our life, when we haven't sinned for like two days and we're feeling good about ourselves, right? We start feeling a little confident. We, we start walking different. Oh yeah, I'm a bad Christian. I'm pretty good. I can do this. That is a very dangerous place to live your life. Because I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care what your resume looks like. You and I, every person in this room, is one bad decision away from ruining our life. One. You know, so often as, as, as pastors and as people that are Christians, what, what we can do oftentimes is look at people who, whose lives are a little bit messed up. They're struggling. Maybe they're addicted to substances or they're, you know, they're, 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 they're struggling through these different areas of our life. And what we do often is say, oh, that'll never be me. I'm so far away from that. I remember I, we did some prison ministry not long ago, and, and, and going in there, you feel like, man, I'm so far away from this being me. But the reality is, is that none of us in this room, none of us are more than one decision away from throwing our life away. I don't care if you've been saved for 75 years and you're sitting here, you're just one bad decision away. And we as Christians have to learn how to do this. We have to learn how to find the line between confidence and dependence. Because as Christians, this is what we have to do. We can't be so self-assured that we don't need God. See, I believe confidence in a Christian is a good thing. You should be confident in who the Lord is and who he's called you to be. But you can't be so arrogant that you forget where you've come from. You can't be so arrogant to forget that that victory you experienced wasn't at the hand of your strength. It was at the hand of God's strength. And we have to find this line of just complete dependency on Jesus, but confidence in who he's created us to be. This is where Joshua messed up. He blew it. Every time he won, he just got a little bit too confident. He got a little bit too assured of himself, and he paid the price. As Christians, find that line. Be confident in what the Lord has done in your life. As you look back at all that he's delivered you from, be confident in that. But don't forget that without him, you would be nothing. Jesus, right now, in this moment, the Bible says that he holds all things together he could just stop holding our lives together. In a moment, everything we know would unwind. We are completely dependent on him. More dependent than you, you think. Like the breath that you just took, that was by his grace. That was by his provision. That breath that you just took, that was by his grace. And, and the, when he wakes you up in the morning, that's by his mercy. Like every single moment of our existence is dependent on him. <clears throat> we can't forget that. Joshua forgot it and he paid the price. Next, I want to look at this verse in Joshua chapter 8. <clears throat> the Bible says this, For Joshua did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. I want to look at this story because Joshua gets a little bit of redemption from his mistake. You know, he gets a little bit too proud. He goes and fights Ai and they get defeated. 
and he comes back and he finally asks the Lord. The Bible actually says that he's, he's like mourning, he's weeping, he's wailing before the Lord, crying out. And God says, get up. <laughs> you, you silly, silly Joshua, get up. You should have done this. You should have started here, right? That's what he was saying. He was saying, listen, you messed up, you blew it, but get up. Come on, we're going to move on. That's a word for somebody in this room. I just, I hear the Holy Spirit saying that. You, you, ruined, your, you, you ruined some things. You made a mistake. Okay, get up. Stop wallowing in your misery. Get up and move on. You are not your past. You are not your mistake. You, you forgot to consult the Lord. Okay, let's get over it. Get up because I've got some instructions for you. That's what the Lord's saying. And that's what the Lord said to Joshua. And then finally, the Lord reveals why the children of Israel were defeated and then gives Joshua strategy as to go about defeating Ai. And this is what's beautiful. The Bible says this, we just read it, that Joshua did not draw back his hand. The Bible says this, that they laid a sabotage for the people of Ai, that they came back just with a few thousand men, just like before, and they purposefully fled before the people of Ai. And as they fled, the rest of the army of Israel came into an empty city just waiting for them. And God gave them an incredible victory. But Joshua gave cue for the ambush. You know what that cue was? It was to hold out his spear. And the Bible says this, Joshua did not do this. Go! That's not what Joshua did. The Bible says this, that he did not draw back his hand with which he stretched out the spear until he had utterly destroyed the inhabitants of Ai, which means Joshua was standing like this for a long time. A long time. This isn't the first time Joshua saw or experienced this. You know, just a few years before, Joshua was leading the army of Israel against the Amalekites. Oh my goodness. Amalekites. What, what is that word? Malachites. Man, all these ites and its and oh, oh man. Amalekites. There it is. Just a few years before, Joshua was leading the army of, of Israel against the Amalekites. And Moses and Aaron and her are on a mountain, and Moses is doing this. And the Bible says that as Moses got tired, his arms came down, the people started losing. He put his arms back up, started winning. Arms back down, started losing. And I could see Joshua, just put yourself in his position, looking up. Would you stop putting your arms down? Aaron, help him. Hold his arms up. We keep losing. Because this, this is what you have to realize. When the, word, when the Lord gives you a word and, and you and I are to move in obedience, we don't, we don't stop that thing. We keep going. We keep, we keep obeying the Lord regardless of what it looks like. Even if we don't, watch this, even if you don't hear anything else, obey until you have the victory. I was, a, I was driving in Dallas a few months ago, and I do not like driving in Dallas. Has anybody been to Dallas before? The highways are a mess. It's crazy. It's like really difficult to drive. Um, but I was driving in Dallas, and my friends were making fun of me because I kept missing our exit and getting lost and all that stuff. It was terrible. But what happened was I was, I was driving down this one highway, and I kept looking over at my GPS because it, was, it had been quiet for a little bit too long. Does anybody notice, has that happened to anybody? Like you're driving and your GPS says, okay, now go straight for five miles. And you're just like, okay, and you're just driving. You feel like it's been 30 miles and you're like, are you going to tell me what to do next? <laughs> the interesting thing about our GPS is that when you are headed in the right direction and you're being obedient, oftentimes you won't hear anything. 
And it's not, you don't hear anything, not because you're doing anything wrong, but because you need to continue in obedience. If I were to stop my car the moment the GPS didn't say anything, it would probably start telling me to start moving again. But a lot of Christians, we take silence for abandonment. God's not speaking to us, and so we think he's left us. We think we're not close to him. We, we think that he forgot about us. That's not the case. What God wants you and I to do in the moments of silence is to continue being obedient. Keep doing what he asked you to do five months ago. Well, I haven't heard anything else. He spoke five months ago, and you stopped doing what he told you to do. You need to be obedient to the Lord. Like, Elisha goes to a king, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you some arrows, and I want you to strike the ground. And however, and he doesn't tell him this, but then the king grabs the arrows and he strikes the ground like two or three times. And Elisha said, listen, you made a big mistake, buddy. I told you to strike the ground. I didn't tell you to stop striking the ground. And because you've only struck the ground a few times, you'll only have victory over your enemies a few times. But had you continued to strike the ground and continue to be obedient to the word of the Lord, you would have had victory, but you stopped. And, and this is the word of the Lord I feel for so many people in this room, that we live in a culture and a society of get rich quick, of just these easy microwave fast results. And the moment we don't see a quick result or the moment something is difficult or there's some opposition, we throw out the word of the Lord and we say, that must not have been him. Because if it would have been him, it would have worked out in two weeks. If it, if it was gonna be the Lord then it would have, everything would have been easy. But that's not the case. Some of us need to learn how to be persistent the way Joshua held out his spear and he didn't let it go. He didn't draw it back until the victory was won. The same way Moses lifted his hands and he didn't put them down until the victory is won. What the Lord desires for you and me is to follow in obedience until the victory is won. It doesn't matter how difficult it is. If you've heard from the Lord, you need to obey. You need to be obedient. Obedience stops when the battle is won, not after the first kill. Obedience stops when the battle is won, not after the first kill. Like when God tells you to pray for that individual, pray and don't stop praying. But, but God, I prayed two times for him and then he get healed. If you really wanted to heal him, you would have healed him on the first go around. God, I, 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 I tried starting my business, but I, I couldn't, it didn't work in the first month. I really I had a hard first month, so I gave up. Or God, I, I started that blog that you wanted me to start, but I didn't get any followers, so I just stopped. What? What? Like, why are we so dependent on these immediate results? Success doesn't, isn't measured by the results that you get. Success is measured by your obedience to the Lord. We can't throw in the towel when things get difficult, when things get hard, when things get challenging. And we can't stop even when we see a nice little victory. We're like, oh, this is cool, God, okay, I'm done. No, obedience is until the whole battle's won, not until the first kill's made. In Joshua chapter 24, I want, to, I want you to read this because this is, and we might end with this one. I might have one more for you, but we'll see where we get. Joshua chapter 24, verses 23 through 25, Joshua says this. Now, therefore, 
This is kind of his farewell address, right? He's at the end of his life. The children of Israel all have inherited the land. He's, he's, he's done it. The Bible says that not a word of the promise of God had been incomplete, that everything God said happened. And then Joshua says this in the last chapter of, of the book of Joshua. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. This is what I want us to see in this verse because I think it's so beautiful and I think it's something that a lot of Christians shy away from because we're afraid that we're being legalistic. Let me ask you this question. Has anybody ever struggled through a quiet time with the Lord? You can be honest. Where it's just you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything, you're just like, there's nothing here. I shouldn't even be doing this. I don't know why I'm reading my Bible. I'm just, I'm just empty. I'm dry. I don't hear anything. You feel like you're faking it. Man, so often that happens. And, and, and a lot of times what I hear in those moments is the enemy say this, see, you are faking it. You're being legalistic. And I feel like I'm being religious or legalistic. But, but here's what we have to understand. That discipline, spiritual disciplines, are not the same as legalism. That your discipline in your life does not mean that you are being legalistic. When you sit down and you read the word, even when you don't feel like it, that's not a bad thing. That's actually an incredible thing. Because when you don't feel like it, are you able to stand with the Lord? Jesus says this, it's easy to love people that love you. But it's hard to love people when they're your enemy. It's hard to be somewhere when you're not feeling. It's hard to connect with the Lord when you don't feel him. But that is when our faith is most real. And this is what Joshua did, right? He, he, he challenged them. He says, listen, are you going to love the Lord? And the children of Israel said this, the Lord, our God, we will serve. They said, yes, Joshua, I want to love the Lord. Does anybody in here want to love the Lord? Raise your hand if you want to love the Lord well. Look at all of us in this room. I want to love the Lord well. So what did Joshua do immediately after them telling him, yes, we want to love the Lord? It says this, so Joshua made a covenant. You know what a covenant is? It's a business contract. Joshua made a business contract and then he set up a statute and an ordinance. Those are very legalistic type of words. Joshua, after their pronouncement of love for the Lord, set up boundaries, set up rules, set up a covenant, set up disciplines in their life. Here's what you have to understand, church. Discipline protects your love for Jesus. When you and I are disciplined, it protects your love for the Lord. You cannot love Jesus and not have disciplines. Because what will happen is you will allow your feelings and your emotions to rule your life. But if you set up boundaries and rules and disciplines in your life to say this, I am going to do this and I am not going to do this. That is not legalism. That shows your commitment to him. But we understand this. Because this is the truth in, in, in our relationships, right? I love my wife. And because I love my wife, I have set up disciplines in our relationship. That means this. You will never find me in a room with a woman by myself that's not my wife. That is a discipline that I hold. Why? It's not because I'm trying to be a legalistic husband. It's because I need to protect my love for her. 
And as Christians, what you have to understand is your disciplines create boundaries. They create protection for your love for Jesus. So man, next time you're reading the word and you're like, man, Jesus isn't anywhere near this room. Don't, don't fret, don't throw it away, don't stop. Understand that it's in those moments that you're creating protection for your love and your intimacy with the Lord. Be a leader that you can rely on. Let me give you one more. Can I give you one more before we end? If you have your Bible, go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Sorry, Sharon, this isn't in there. God tells Joshua multiple times in this chapter, he says this, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. And then in chapter 23, if you can go to chapter 23, I believe it's verse 6 as well, in, in Joshua chapter 23, verse 6. This is Joshua's farewell. Remember, he's, 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 he's ending his time here leading the children of Israel. And then he says this to him in his, fair, in his farewell address. He says this, Therefore, to the children of Israel, therefore, be very courageous. Joshua echoes what the Lord said to him at the beginning of his leadership. But I, I have, I, we have to understand something about your strength and your courage. That if your strength and your courage isn't attached to obedience, it's wasteful. Because you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough to make it happen. And Joshua goes on to say this, therefore be very courageous, what? To keep and to do all that is written. What was Joshua telling them? He was saying this, be courageous to obey. Be strong and be courageous to obey. And what we see is when Joshua moves in strength and moves in courage in his obedience to the Lord, he doesn't lose. He doesn't lose. But it's in the, the two moments that we went over where he steps out of his obedience to the Lord, even though he's moving in strength, even though he's moving in courage, he fails. And here's what the word of the Lord is for you today. It's not enough to be strong. It's not enough to be brave or have courage. You have to be obedient to the Lord. You have to be obedient to the Lord. And I, I want to share with you this, this word that I've received for this year. I, I don't necessarily, this might be a, a word for everybody. I don't feel like the Lord told me to share this with you, but I, I want to give you some insight here. The Lord has, has declared over me and my wife and our family that 2023 is the year of obedience. It's the year of obedience. And my deepest desire is to be obedient to the Lord. I just want to listen. Like, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I used to and still do have these very high, like, achievements and goals and aspirations. And I want to do all of this with my life. I, I, I have some really cool visions of what Dominic's life looks like, right? And over the last few weeks, as the Lord has been dealing with me, those visions and dreams have been quickly replaced by obedience, because when I stand before Jesus, I don't want him to say, hey, you did great building your dreams, but you didn't listen to me. I want him to say, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. Because you didn't, you didn't do your will, you did my will. Could you stand with me today as we close? Holy Spirit, our desire is to be obedient to you. Let us be strong and courageous, not to bring our own kingdom to this earth, but to bring your kingdom, to facilitate your will, Jesus. Would you replace every desire that we have for our life with a greater desire that is to be obedient to your word? We thank you, Jesus, in this moment that you did what the law could not do. That just as Joshua did for the children of Israel what Moses could not do, Jesus, you did for us what being a good person couldn't do. You brought us into the promised land. You delivered us, Jesus. And you set us up with the greatest inheritance of all. That's the inheritance of being with you and being a part of your family. We pray, Jesus, right now in this moment that just as Joshua leaned into your presence and didn't leave the tent, would you help us to linger in your presence, Jesus? Help us to find the line of confidence and dependency, Jesus where we can move in confidence and boldness, but we also don't forget where we've come from. We also don't forget that had it not been for you, we wouldn't have been able to take that very breath we just took. We are completely dependent upon you. And Jesus, help us to move in such obedience to your word. Let us not veer off to the left or to the right, but Jesus, would you be able to speak so clearly to us and we would just obey and we won't relent in obeying until the victory is won. I bless these here today, Jesus, and I thank you that you have sealed them by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, in this moment that you're creating us as people who can lead ourselves well. I just hear the Holy Spirit saying right now that, that, that he, is, he is taking the dependency that the church has had for so many years on a person and he's removing that. Here's what I mean by that, but the, the church has been dependent on their pastor for too long. The bride of Christ has been dependent on the man or the woman of God for too long. And Jesus is saying, I want you to be dependent on me. I believe that this is the year, this is the season where the church grows in their, their intimacy with the Lord, but more specifically, grows in their discipleship with Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we bless your holy name. In your name I pray. Come on, everybody said, amen, amen. Here's what I want to do as we end our service today. I want to invite our altar ministers to come to the front. And I'm just going to ask you two quick questions before we go. 
If you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never invited him into your heart or maybe you don't have a very good relationship with him, this is what I want you to know if you're here today. He is here and he loves you. Jesus loves you. And I know you've probably heard that before, but this is what I want you to understand. In Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, the Bible says that it is by grace through faith that we are saved, which means this, it is by grace that you even have the ability to be saved by Jesus. Do you know what grace is? Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. Do you know what that means? That means this, I don't know why God loves you, but he does. <laughs> There's no explanation. No man, no woman on this planet can tell you why God loves you. But here's the truth. There is a God in heaven that is so passionate about you. He loves you with every fiber of his being. He is pursuing you in this moment. His grace, his favor, his kindness is toward you. And I don't want you to leave this room without giving yourself a chance, an opportunity to meet him in faith. So if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, all I want you to ask you to do is as we dismiss that you would just come forward and pray with one of these incredible men or women at this altar. And if you're here today and you're going through a difficult time in your life, maybe you're struggling, maybe you just need some prayer, maybe you need some support, maybe you're here and you're, you're saying, man, I need a word from the Lord. I mean, so many, <clears throat> so many individuals up here are so prophetic and they carry the word of the Lord. And I believe that we want to pray with you and be a part of your struggle. We want to, just like um, Aaron and her held up the hands of Moses, we want to be there to hold you up in the time of need and difficulty. So if you're here today and you need any prayer, we want to invite you down as well. Let's do this. Let's place your hand on your heart if you wouldn't mind. I want to bless you before you leave. Jesus, we thank you for these incredible men and women, these boys and girls here. <clears throat> And I speak a blessing over them right now. I thank you that they are the head and not the tail. They're above and not beneath. And most importantly, God, they are loved. They are loved. Hear this. You are loved by God. I hear the Holy Spirit, Spirit saying this, that he doesn't just love you. He likes you too. And we go in the fullness, the knowledge that we are loved by God. So bless those in this room. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen. 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 If you need any prayer at all, come this way before you go that way. Remember to live right, love everyone, pray hard, and we'll see you guys next time.